Greetings and welcome to episode four of the London Drugs Partnership Podcast. I'm Michael LeBlanc. And I'm Clint Mallman. Well, as the kids would say, those who know, know. But for folks that might not know London Drugs as well as they could, I think the number one thing that might surprise them about the business is how extensive a role electronics play in your assortment and how deep and rich your offering is to Canadians. I've, I've shopped myself from here in Toronto. And for a pharmacy, nonetheless, how, how did all this come about, Clint? You're absolutely right, Michael. When we talk at London Drugs about the uniqueness that people say that we are, it's often our consumer electronics business, our photographic heritage, or our B2B commercial AV and computing business people don't know we have. Uh, and all of those things make us fundamentally different, given that we're both called the supersized drugstore and a mm-hmm. department store like beauty department or a photographic specialty store, and this consumer electronics store all together, plus some of our other departments. And it really is what gives us these unique, quirky capabilities uh, and allows us to understand this intersection that we see going on of health, wellness, and technology. Obviously, we're not new to this. In fact, you're going to find that very few retailers in North America have longer, continuous success in consumer electronics and photography than London Drugs. We were established in 1945, and in 1947, the founder, Sam Bass, bought a camera store next door. So London Drugs has continuously been successful in that business since 1947. So it's not only part of our heritage, but some people definitely know that we're extremely focused on and very competent in. We have many vanguard moves in the industry, like being one of the very first retailers to carry this new little brand called Sony in the (laughs) late 1950s. Um, Through the the leadership of my predecessors, Mark Nussbaum and Wynne Powell, London Drugs was one of the very first to establish one hour or mini labs in 1981. We introduced the first retail computer departments in 1983. All of this while maintaining our specialty camera store feel on top of top-notch consumer electronic and photo finishing offering. So our photo finishing and photography expertise is so respected. Wynn and our team over the years have often been asked to spec new photo finishing equipment at manufacturing plants in Japan. So when we expanded into the electronic and computer repairs area as well, we wanted to provide customers Uh, a 360 trusted experience through their journey with a product. Kind of a fun fact, we were told by Apple that during the pandemic, we were the largest by volume Apple authorized repair depot in North America for a few weeks. Wow. So today we maintain many unique strengths by being one of the leading sellers of for example, vinyl records and turntables. Our then buyer, Colin Cottrell, was one of the very, very first to spot this trend of the return to vinyl. Uh, we sell home theater systems. We have a lot of professional photographers in Western Canada that exclusively print and have their vision of their art executed in our locations. But our experience goes beyond retail. And this is often the part people have no idea about, is that we have had a business-to-business computer solutions and AV solutions business since 1983 uh, under our TLD computers arm. So we install the latest boardroom equipment across Canada for major national professional services firms or automation for international hotel chains and many managed services for a wide variety of clients in Western Canada. 
We also own McBain Camera, a specialty camera store in Alberta. So for London Drugs, our passion and depth of knowledge in consumer electronics and photography is core to our DNA since 1947. You know, I love this narrative. Every time you start, every time you talk about the electronics category, I learn something new. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's it's really it's really uh, it's super interesting, and and I you know it clearly kind of blows my mind when I listen to you know this intersection of, of pharmacy and electronics. Now, to help us explore the fast moving world of consumer electronics, we have a very special guest, a vendor, Kareem. Salah Mohammed, founder, president, and CEO of Atlantia. Now, they're also uh, a London Drugs multi-year winner of your Supplier of the Year Award. So his name pretty quickly came up when we were talking about a vendor that uh, we'd love to invite on the show, yeah? Absolutely. You know, at London Drugs, we, our vendors have heard us talk uh, many times about partnership and that we want two partnerships. So when we talk about partnership at London Drugs and Come to us with your big ideas and let's be creative. Karim and his team at Atlantia are the absolute gold standard of partnership. As our listeners are aware, London Drugs celebrates our vendor partners with our annual awards for almost three decades now. And the criteria is tough. It's not just about relationships. We have a points-based system that are given out on strict criteria on sales volume, sales increases, gross margin percent growth, innovation and product offerings, innovation and marketing ideas, sustainable practices, and yes, teamwork with London Drugs. And Atlantia has won the Vendor of the Year more than any other vendor in our all of our 2,000 vendors in our business. Mm-hmm. And they've won it so often, they're more than double the recognition of their next closest competitor of all those vendors. So when you think about the can competition especially in consumer electronics, with massive brands that's in everyone's household, could be in their pockets right now, with their massive marketing and huge household penetration in the brands. Yet, Karim and his team are absolutely amazed me with how they're able to continuously and consistently spot trends early, find unique product that adds to our customer expectations at London Drugs of carrying unique, high-quality, and trendy products. Like most of us, Karim travels the world personally for his business. He has many much larger, probably more important retail and clients that are much probably more important by volume than London Drugs. Yet he and his team still find a way to leverage every ounce of our capabilities and partnership in a very positive and mutually beneficial way. Let's talk about how you weave together these two things, because it, it strikes me as, as a challenge for the organization. I guess it goes back to 1947 when you started doing it, so that it's kind of in the DNA of the organization at this point. But, you know, we've talked in prior episodes, uh, we focused a lot on healthcare, of course, focused on AI, but how do you weave these two together culturally in your organization? I mean, on one hand, you're talking about pharmacists and Healthcare, and on the other hand, you're talking about a very unique, different electronics and technology value proposition. How does that? How does that come together on a in a cultural perspective in the organization? Yeah, it's it's very different, and and it's been often joked about. No one would ever start our business model today if they had any degree of sanity. But like all aspects of our business, our tech teams travel the world to spot trends, uh, see what's over the horizon, to plan our business our knowledge and education set, and our service offerings, 
and of course are merchandised to excite customers. It's hard work and arguably spotting trends in this side of the business is one of the toughest parts of the job given how fast and fickle the consumer electronics market is. So just imagine this, and many people listening to this podcast uh, who understand the industry would get this. Imagine we're planning our Christmas catalog as late as right now in September. And in many cases, the product that could be the top seller this Christmas still hasn't been announced by the manufacturer. (laughs) We don't have samples or know when it's going to arrive and certainly don't know what its price point is going to be. So it's a real high wire act many times in this part of the business. So we have to go to shows like the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas or Computex Mm. in Taiwan, IFA in Berlin, CP Plus Show in Japan, and many, many others. And so we're talking to factories, we're talking to vendors, we're talking to thought leadership to understand not just the product, but for us and our team, What we're really trying to figure out is what problem are they trying to solve for our customers with the introduction of their technology or whatever widget they're bringing to market. Hmm. See, there's a lot of technology that's great, but what we're most interested in for London Drugs is the product or services that we know will really connect with our core customers who are quality aficionados and trendy treasure hunters. Today, we see even more convergence drive driven by a combination of things. It's the Internet of Things, IoT, artificial intelligence, AI. They're always connected now through fast communication streams, whether it be low-orbit satellites, 5G, Wi-Fi 6. What that means is being continuously connected, regardless of where you are in Canada or the world, And with the assistance of AI working in the background, it opens up the utility of technology more than ever before. And an area where we really see this exploding is in two major areas. The first is in content creation. Michael, you're an expert in this field. Ten years ago, the idea of creating YouTube content, social media content, or even this podcast was intimidating and almost the realm of professional artists only. But today, more images are taken every year today since the invention of photography through the ubiquity of smartphones and other capture devices. And customers are finding ways to express their individuality, their interests, their passions, because it's easy to use. It's high-quality content creation and with these capture devices and software that's really exciting. Now, the second part, we see technology converging and, and frankly, making our customers' lives less complicated, and that's right down our, our main street to really take care of people, is, is in the area of health and wellness. Right. We see healthcare and beauty care vendors investing dramatically in technology, like some of the guest speakers we've talked about so far during this podcast series, in ways that really benefit customers' individual health. Now, this could be home tools that support a doctor's investigation and diagnosis into your t- health, literally like Dr. McCoy's tricorder in Star Trek, or alerting your daughter or son that an aging parent has taken their prescription medication at the right time and in the right manner to just ease of mind, or to share health statistics with healthcare professionals that allow predictive diagnosis. And what's critical about that is we don't have to wait anymore until we're acutely sick. But to keep you well, 
we are seeing technology and the sharing of information that's very exciting to see people's wellness improve coming to market at this time. And if I may, I honestly believe there's no retailer in Canada, possibly North America, that has more depth of experience under one roof of healthcare knowledge through pharmacy and our specialty beauty area, especially in dermalogic cosmetics, and the knowledge and access to technology knowledge that supports connected wellness. Now, of course, some retailers have great depth in one of those pillars, and a few may have good depth in two of those pillars. But I think London Drugs is in very rare clubs internationally that have a strong depth of knowledge in all three of those pillars. And that's what makes us such a unique partner for our vendors. And for our very strongest vendors like Atlantia, they have learned the secret sauce to take advantage of our strengths. It really brings out and, and um, creates this mental image as people are listening of how unique an organization and successful organization you are. I want to, you, you were talking satellites, we're talking all kinds of very high tech stuff. I wanted to, I was reading that, that your film development is back. I just want to tap into your, your, you talk about trends, but you know, old school cameras, like non-digital cameras are back and you're doing film development. Is, is that, uh, am I picking up on that correctly? Is that a, is that a trend I should be paying attention to? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very similar to vinyl records where mm. customers in this world of ubiquity and accessing content is so easy. Trying to find something that's authentic and unique and, and often for the reasons that perhaps someone of my age loved it originally, people are really rediscovering that analog way of approaching things, that anticipation of I went out and took some pictures and what is it going to look like and that, that certain magic that happens mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you don't have that immediate gratification of just tilting your, your capture device and looking at that in the back of the screen. Uh, for the first time, and, and I believe it's 50 years, I could be wrong with this, that Fuji's had to actually tilt up a, a film plant. And so whether it's the Instax cameras that or instant cameras, the resurgence of uh, Polaroid-like devices, and certainly old-school 35-millimeter mm. film, um, one of the hottest part of our businesses is in our used camera business, people coming in desperate to find good quality film cameras. And again, I think it just speaks to the fact that today customers are wanting to be unique, authentic, and work with someone that could consult with and help them live their passions and their dreams. And that's a really exciting place to be in for a, a retailer. Super interesting. I guess I guess eight tracks are next. I got a big stack of eight tracks. <laughs> Hopefully they're next because I want to take advantage of that. Yeah, I wouldn't bet the farm on eight tracks. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, let's hear from uh, from Karim, uh, our uh, our vendor that's uh, joining us for the conversation, and hear from his perspective on how dynamic and fast paced the electronics category is, and and uh, what it's like working with London Drugs as a, as an award winning vendor. So let's have a listen now. Welcome to our podcast, Karim. Let's start, if we could, of you just sharing your incredible journey on becoming an entrepreneur and founding of Atlanta over 20 years ago. I obviously have the great privilege of knowing you and hearing a little bit about the backstory, but I know our listeners would be fascinated. Well, thank you, Clint and Michael, for having me on, on today's podcast. You know, my, my journey started probably over 35 years ago, sort of in the mid-80s. 
Um, while going to university, I worked for a little drugstore chain called London Drugs. And I was selling computers <laughs> in a drugstore. And that was really, really challenging. And I think when I look back today, that was actually the foundation that allowed me to build um, as I kind of went through my career. You know, I started working in retail. I went into distribution. I then worked for a PC manufacturer. So it, it really rounded me up in terms of understanding this business and the different aspects of this business. And then in, um, in, in the late 90s, I had an opportunity to move to Russia to do something totally different. And I think that's where the entrepreneurial bug came in. I uh, went to a country where there was no consumerism, there was no retail, there was no distribution, and really got to learn everything in a matter of five years. The country went from zero retail and consumerism to becoming one of the largest retail markets in the world. And that experience was fantastic. So when I returned back to Canada in 2000, uh, I was looking at what I wanted to do, and, and really that entrepreneurial bug was there. And I looked around and thought, okay, you know, this, there's some interesting things here. I've had a lot of learnings and, and maybe I can start my own little uh, business in distribution. And the first thing we did is looked around to see what products could we sell. And was nothing really cool happening out there except for this little company, Apple, that had just relaunched the Mac <laughs> and Steve Jobs had just returned back to Apple and I thought, it'd be kind of neat to sell accessories for Apple. It's on a little bit of a resurgence. And you know what? Ever since then, we've been riding the coattails of Apple, and we built our business around bringing cool and unique accessories for not just the Apple product, for, for PCs, tablets, computers. And that's kind of how we built our, our distribution business. What a great story, Karim. And uh, where are we finding you today, by the way? You, you said you're back, uh, you're back into Canada. I think you're on the West Coast, right? That's correct. I'm actually in Vancouver, based out of Vancouver. Now, you know, when we were putting together a list of folks we wanted to speak to, uh, your name popped up pretty much right away. And Clint's mentioned you're really consistently good at spotting trends, which is so interesting. You, you just shared with us the early uh, early idea about uh, this company, Apple. I think it could be something someday. Talk about your discovery process for the items you find and, and present to retailers, how you don't wind up down some rabbit hole, and, and how that may or may not change over the course of your entrepreneurial journey. Well, I think the, the spotting trends really comes down to having a, a good foundation of understanding the industry and the business. And my experience in working various different sectors of this industry you know, allowed me to identify gaps. And it's one thing to identify the gap, but then understanding is that gap for this particular customer? Because if you don't understand the customer's customer, their end customer, then bringing in a product may not always be successful. Hmm. And, you know, we had that opportunity and, you know, London Drugs was one of our earlier customers when we started the business. And we really identified gaps. And I did that by walking in the stores and talking to the reps and even talking to customers and say, hey, what are you looking for? Is this something that you're looking that'll make your life easier, make it easier to use technology? And that's always kind of been the foundation. We, we try to understand what the end user wants and then see where that fits 
within the retail customer that we're trying to sell to. Mm. And we've always kind of kept that model. And then what we do is we look at unique products. You know, if something is working in a European market, then you know what? That's actually going to work in Canada because Canadians tend to be a little bit more European than American. We're more American when it comes down to pricing and getting the best deal. But in terms of how we buy products, we like that quality, the value, the relationship that we have with the brand or the relationship that we have with, with the company that we buy our products from. So we've always kind of used that as a, as a model in terms of how we look for products. How do you see the industry uh, today, the electronics industry, the accessories industry? I mean, I, I, I think that we've went through what I've called a big buy forward. You know, consumers just bought a lot of stuff in COVID because we were all – we all at home and manufactured struggled to keep up with the demand. They were chasing, uh, chasing supply rather than demand. We're kind of in a new normal. Are you satisfied with the pace of innovation that you're seeing as you travel around the world? Um, I think the pace of innovation is going to continue at the same level that we've seen in the last couple of years. The pandemic, you know, we saw so many things come in, whether it was inflation, supply chain issues, mm. um, you know, customers staying home and not shopping. Really, some of these things that happened during the past three years may happen once in an industry. If you look at it historically, this all happened within a three year gap. Mm. So, right. you know, what is the outcome? Nobody knows what the outcome was going to be. Everything was changing rapidly. And I think what was important was that we all learned to adjust and switch our direction very quickly. As far as innovation is concerned, that will continue on. Are we going to see revolutionary changes? No, I think they're more evolutionary changes. And really, the idea is that when you look at companies, whether it's Apple or Microsoft, when they come out with a product, they're now looking at a long-term view. How do we sell this product over the next five years? How do we sell this product or this technology over the next 10 years? And Apple is a prime example. If you look at the Apple Watch when it came out, the entire industry said this is going to be a disaster and a failure. <laughs> and yet today, the Apple Watch, after five or six years of consistently bringing out an updated and an evolutionary product, they're larger than the entire Swiss industry. So I believe that pace will continue on. And what's important for us then is to identify products that we can bring in that will make their products better, easier to use, uh, and enhance that, that consumer experience. Let's switch from products to talking a little bit about people and relationships. You know, Karim, many retailers and vendors talk about partnership, and I can already hear the eyes rolling to our audience when they hear yet another retailer talk about partnership. But for you, what defines what really is a great retailer-vendor partnership, and what are the advantages that you've seen over the years versus the other method of purely a transactional take-it-or-leave-it type relationship? Uh, Clint, you hit the nail on the head. I can, as soon as you say the word partnership, you know, eyes are rolling. It's an overused word. And um, I, I think that today the word partnership, again, it still continues to be used in a very loose way. You know, you use that when you need help. You use that when something's gone wrong. We're your partner. How can I, you know, you should help us. We'll help you. But at the end of the day, to me, partnership means we're in it together. And we're in it together, whether we succeed or we fail. 
And that's something that I clearly identified with um, working with London Drugs is that London Drugs looked at it and said, we're not looking for transaction because there's a lot of people that can do transactional selling. What we want is somebody that will work with us, take the risk with us. We'll do a calculated risk. But if we fail, we'll, we'll take it in together rather than saying, sorry, it didn't work out too bad. It's your problem. It's not my problem. And, and I think that's what really allowed me to innovate with an organization like London Drugs is that we would go in there and say, hey, we're going to take this risk together. And you know what? We're going to have eight out of 10. And that's fantastic rather than having one out of 10 because nobody wanted to take that risk. So taking the risk, identifying the gaps and then executing on that. And that's really important. So the ownership becomes a joint ownership right from you know, you've heard this before, right from uh, from cradle to grave, right? And that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're describing is trust, and and certainly what you are uh, have earned over the years. You know, as I've said in the prelim to the, our conversation, the most recognized through awards uh, of all our vendors of all all two thousand vendors. But it really comes down to that that ability to kind of take risks together, as you described, and, and show up for each other um, when chips are down and when chips are good. So on that note, what advice would you give, you know, a brand or new vendors, old vendors that are listening? Um, how would, would you distill it down to three important keys to success about growing relationships with retailers today? And I certainly acknowledge there's lots of different retail styles out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I go back again to, um, to you know, the early days of my business. If you don't understand your customer's business and don't understand their customers, then you're not, you're not setting up yourself for success. You're setting up yourself for failure. Then it becomes transactional. And it's not necessarily the size of the business because, you know, you can go out and do a big exclusive deal with a large customer, but I call those one-hit wonders. And then you sit there and wait and see, will this work? Will it fail? Am I going to be able to do more business? Because it's just a one-trick one pony. But if you understand the customer's business and build your strategy around that, then you're very successful. So to me, that's a really important point is understanding their business and understanding their customers, right? So that's that's the one, one thing that's very critical. And, you know, second, again, like I said, it's not the size of the purchase order, but it's how do you build a consistent business where you get a consistent growth year over year rather than looking for that, that hockey stick growth? Uh, because, you know, that's just going to happen and then it's going to come down like everything you'll go up and you'll come down rather than maintaining um, a solid straight business and, and i think the last thing here is is understanding their customers and finding the gaps for their customers not for what the market may need today because they might be something that someone's looking for that is very easy to buy on amazon and that's that may not be a customer that london drugs is is catering to so understand their customers the gaps for those customers, and then try and fill those gaps. And really, you become an extension of their business. You become a trusted advisor, um, and that just opens up a lot more opportunities rather than working in a transactional mode. 
Yeah, you're sure hitting a lot of key things for us. And I think, you know, my colleague Rob Felix is often quoted as saying, those that enjoy the greatest sales success uh, with us are those that know us best. And I don't think it's a surprise. And that just iterates what you're saying. Know your customer. And I think that's true, whether you're on the vendor side or our side. You know, you're an energetic person and you're known for that energy uh, um, in our group. What are you most excited about as you look forward to the future, um, you know, whether it be this holiday 2023, but also when you look into the the couple years from now? Well, as I was saying earlier, technology is is going to continue to evolve. And I I mean, I don't think, I mean, this is my personal view. I don't think we're going to see revolutionary products like iPhone and watch, you know, those things that are going to be real game changers. What we're going to see is additional products that will hit the market that'll just make it a lot easier for for us to function. It'll give us more time, uh, which we're always looking for is, you know, balancing our leisure time between our work time and Technology should allow us to do that more and make it a lot easier. You know, there are challenges, whether it comes down to security with AI and and all of the things that are good and bad about AI. All of these things are going to emerge, but is it going to change the world in, in three months? Probably not. If you look at Apple when they introduced their VR goggles, well, that's a product that's going to be built into their system for many years to come. So it's not something that you can put in your store today and start selling. And I think companies are looking at this and saying, let's play the long game. So everything that they're developing or coming out with is how do we bring it in and how do we get the customers to ease into this technology and become part of our life? Because you can get completely overwhelmed. I mean, today, even when I walk into um, any major retailer and you look at customers, probably 75% of them still don't even know what cable to use for their phone. Yet they're using the technology seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So there's a lot of changes that are going to come, but they're going to be more evolutionary. And what we have to do is capitalize on that and see how that fits in. We're probably going to see a bit more of a um, recycle, repurpose in some of the technology that's out there today. Because there was a big spend during the pandemic, um, and if people are upgrading, they're going to be a little bit more passing down some of their higher value products. So for us is, you know, how do we help them make that product look better and newer? So selling accessories in, 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 those, in those spaces. And I think 24 is going to be probably a little bit more like that. There'll be a little bit more stabilization. Uh, everybody will kind of sit back and take that um, and say, okay, what do I have and what do I need? And where can I spend now? Because we did spend a lot of money the last three years. Yeah, I, you know, that's a whole other podcast to be able to talk about the sustainability in electronics for sure. Mm-hmm. As always, Graham, you're a very exciting person to talk to, very inspirational and really appreciate this. Uh, how can people follow Atlantia and, and keep in touch with the work that you're doing? They can um, they can follow us on uh, on LinkedIn. Atlantia has a, a LinkedIn page there. Um, they can reach out to me via LinkedIn as well. And I'd be happy if you want to post my email address at the end of this podcast. 
Um, if they want to directly reach out to me, they can reach out to me via email as well. Well, Karim, this has been a great conversation. And I understand from Clint, you're you're an award-winning vendor as well. So I wanted to, uh, to congratulate you on that. And uh, really, it's uh, interesting to hear your perspective and, and uh, hear about what's happening coming up soon. So listen, on behalf of Clint and I, thanks so much for joining us on the London Drugs Partnership Podcast. It's a real treat to uh, get to know you. And uh, thanks for your time and joining us on the mic. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us on the London Drugs Partnership Podcast. New episodes will be released regularly, and you can find new episodes on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you enjoy your podcast today. For the vendors listening, please subscribe to this podcast. We hope that it helps, hopes you succeed together with us. And please join us in Mississauga on November 6th at the Living Arts Centre. Registration is now open, and if you have any questions, please contact your London Drugs buyer to learn more. We look forward to seeing you in person. I'm Michael LeBlanc, Senior Retail Advisor, Retail Industry Podcaster, and Keynote Speaker. You can learn more about me on LinkedIn. And I'm Quint Malman, President and Chief Operating Officer at London Drugs. And I look forward to seeing everyone at our annual partnership presentation in Mississauga in November, if not sooner, when I'm out visiting either your location or you're in ours. Safe travels, everyone.